Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Titus, the Grace of God Towards Mankind. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. A quick note before I start. I am using a new microphone. I have sound shielding coming for it. It is shielded, but not fully as it will be. You may hear some room reflection until our ordered shielding arrives. We apologize for any auditory issues you may hear this week. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage found at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, March 14th, we examined the third part of conduct toward those outside the church. In part three of this subject, we learned we are to be showing complete courtesy, meekness to all people, all men. That means men, women, children, and all people regardless of anything that can be used as a form of prejudice. That prejudice needs to be dealt with where it exists. If God created all peoples, why is prejudice of any kind a problem for Christ's people? That may require you to do some internal examination to correct any existing issues that are clearly unbiblical. We also learned word meanings for courtesy and meekness that we do not normally use today in our modern-day world, such as courtesy meaning, elegance or politeness of manners, especially politeness connected with kindness and civility. Meekness was another word for scared or coward as it typically is defined in American subculture. It is not another word for being weak or unresponsive to the world around you either. Meekness, we found, means many fitting things among which is submission to the divine will. Is not God our divine authority? Do we say, I am saved, in public, and then do and say everything in private to effectively prove otherwise? This week, we continue our deeper study of this scripture passage in the book of Titus. This week, we see that our being saved in Him is a deliberate act and intent on His part. We need only do one thing to be saved of Christ, of God our Father, simply by asking for that salvation with a sincere willingness 
to receive it and live it through. So, starting. In Scripture, we read, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of His mercy through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by His grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. From Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Did you notice what that last verse said? We become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. Heirs? A confident expectation of eternal life? That is a hugely bold statement that carries with it great certainty. Is our salvation in Christ as certain as it appears here in the words of the book of Titus? To answer that question, we need to gain the certainty of this statement, whether definitive or not. We need to find out either way. Commentary helps us here with, It is the misery of sinners that they hate one another, and it is the duty and happiness of saints to love one another, and we are delivered out of our miserable condition only by the mercy and free grace of God, the merit and sufferings of Christ, and the working of His Spirit. God the Father is God, our Savior. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. Commentary further states, to show how little reason the Cretan Christians had to be proud of themselves and despise others, not Christians. It is to the kindness and love of God, not to their own merits, that they owe salvation. From Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Now, let's continue in commentary by defining a few words. Kindness, from the Greek. Goodness, benignity, meaning the quality or condition of being kind and gentle. The quality of being benign favorable attitude which manifests his grace. Love toward man, teaching us to have such love, benevolence toward man. In the Greek, philanthropy, showing all meekness unto all men, even as God had toward man, opposed to the hateful and hating characteristics of unrenewed men whose wretchedness moved God's benevolent kindness. Of God our Savior, in the Greek, namely, the Father who saved us through Jesus Christ our Savior. From 
Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. That gives us a lot to start this deeper study. Notice the first sentence in Matthew Henry's commentary passage. It read, It is the misery of sinners that they hate one another, and it is the duty and happiness of saints to love one another. If we are unsaved, it is our misery that we hate one another. Many might wonder how this can be. It is because it is a simmering hatred waiting for opportunity as well as a means for it to be justified. It is one reason why we do things in the heat of a moment. Then we wonder why we did what it was that has now come to question our actions and or behavior in our heart, our mind, or both, in part each or in full. Now, notice this. The second half of that sentence said this, And it is the duty and happiness of the saints to love one another. Did you notice that opening of the second half of this sentence? And it is the duty of the saints to love one another as well as it being our happiness. For a clearer picture, duty means a task or action that a person is bound to perform for moral or legal reasons, respect or obedience due to a superior older persons, etc. Filial duty, the force that binds one morally or legally to one's obligations. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Please note, our obligations are imposed on us both by Scripture and what we hear God say to us when we are in prayer, listening to Him. We can see also Obedience, respect, and kindness to parents are duties of children. Fidelity to friends is a duty. Reverence, obedience, and prayer to God are indispensable duties. The government and religious instruction of children are duties of parents which they cannot neglect without guilt forbearance of that which is forbid by morality, law, justice, or propriety. It is our duty to refrain from lewdness, intemperance, profaneness, and injustice. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. It has to be extremely clear, our duty as born-again Christians is that we are not talking about anything, as our duty, that is negotiable or requiring our ability to choose or deny it. At the very least, this means there is no room for debate in loving one another. So, what is meant by that in Scripture and commentary? Simply our brothers and sisters in Christ only? Or, anyone regardless of their state of salvation? 
I think this following modern quote from Christianity.com explains this well. Quoting, The short and simple answer to why we are called to love one another is found in John chapter 13, verse 35. It reads, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what else is there to say? Well, plenty. What is meant by called? Jesus was talking to the eleven disciples. So how do we know this applies to us today? What did Jesus mean? Who are we to love? Why is love so important? How are we to do this? To answer the question of why we are called, we need to read it in its context, which includes the preceding verse. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. From John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. The word call means to call into action, to summon. Jesus used the word command, which is a bit stronger. The word command in the original Greek means an injunction, ordinance, or law. Jesus was not only summoning with an authoritative order, but he was also instituting a new law to replace the law of Moses, the law of love. We are called to love one another, so we'll walk in the new law of love. Who is called? Jesus gave the command following the Last Supper and after Judas had left to betray him. This left Jesus with the remaining eleven men who had chosen to follow him. Jesus' words were that everyone will know you are my disciples by following this command. This means the command is issued to all who would call themselves a disciple of Christ. Everyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ is called to walk in love. From Christianity.com I think that quote firms our preliminary thinking before we read that quote. So, if we are only commanded to love other believers, both in and outside our church of attendance, what does that mean for those in our life that we know are unsaved and quite possibly outside the church? Can we be, in a justified way, curt, short-tempered, frustrated with, and or just plain rude with those who are unsaved, that we know or come in contact with in the course of everyday life. Is this typical of the love we are to show others? If you do not know the answer to those questions, what does your Bible tell you to do in this regard? What have we learned in this study thus far? This study or not, the simple answer is, you cannot win the unsaved to Christ without some form of love that induces respect for them in such a way they can see, a love they can also see they lack.
that this love is something real, important in their life, that they need. We can witness in love to unsafe people while not joining in their sinful life. We can join them for coffee, when and where it is safe, if it is safe at all, to do in pandemic times. No one should put themselves at risk of acquiring coronavirus or COVID-19. Alternatively, we can use video conferencing tools like Skype or Discuss to do the same thing. Brew some coffee and drink with a person on video conference that way. Let's use the available tools to do incredible things for Christ. Please note, I am not recommending Skype or Discuss in a commercial or private sense. They are merely two free communication tools on the top of my mind. I am not in any way commercially or otherwise recommending them. I mention them as making point of discussion only. Continuing. Verse 5 reads, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of his mercy, through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Remember verses 4, 5, and 6 in some Bibles, like mine, are all one long sentence. So, verse 5 is the middle of that sentence. Notice the last portion of verse 5. It reads, Through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. There are two thoughts there. The washing of the new birth is one thought, then with the word and, the second thought is the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Commentary explains this with, We are delivered out of our miserable condition only by the mercy and free grace of God, the merit and sufferings of Christ, and the working of His Spirit. God the Father is God our Savior. He is the fountain from which the Holy Spirit flows to teach, regenerate, and save his fallen creatures, and this blessing comes to mankind through Christ. The spring and rise of it is the kindness and love of God to man. Love and grace have, through the Spirit, great power to change and turn the heart to God. Works must be in the saved but are not among the causes of their salvation. A new principle of grace and holiness is wrought, which sways and governs and makes the man a new creature. Most pretend they would have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now. They would have the end without the beginning. Here is the outward sign and seal thereof in baptism, called, therefore, the washing of regeneration. The work is inward and spiritual. This is outwardly signified and sealed in this ordinance. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. We need to notice three things here. One. Commentary read, 
works must be in the saved, but are not among the causes of their salvation. Clearly, as saved people of Christ, we need to do good works to promote life in Christ while not also believing this action somehow makes us saved in Christ. It clearly does not. Notice point two. Commentary said, A new principle of grace and holiness is wrought, which sways and governs and makes the man a new creature. You might read right over the phrase, which sways. What does it mean to sway someone to salvation? It means to gently bend them toward that decision for Christ to be invited into their life without force. I have seen many Americans witness with great force and insistence that someone come to the believing salvation in Christ. However, the greater that force and insistence, the greater the person being witnessed to resists it. To sway someone to Christ is to guide them to the way they should go instead of using verbal-style sledgehammers to drive them to something they refuse to receive. Point 3. Commentary also said, Most pretend they would have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now. They will have the end without the beginning. That is the bottom line on this subject, which we previously said a bit differently above, no matter how you try to work it. Most pretend they would have heaven at last, yet they care not for holiness now. They would have the end without the beginning. Verses 6 and 7 read, Whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. Commentary on verse 6 and 7 reads, Justification, in the gospel sense, is the free forgiveness of a sinner, accepting him as righteous through the righteousness of Christ received by faith. God, in justifying a sinner in the way of the gospel, is gracious to him. As forgiveness is through a perfect righteousness, and sanctification is made to justify by Christ, it cannot be merited by the sinner himself. Eternal life is set before us in the promise. The Spirit works faith in us and hope of that life. Faith and hope bring it near and fill with joy in expectation of it. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. I think that commentary passage sums up this study well. Today, right now, where are you? 
Are you unsaved and pretending to be saved? Are you saved and just pretending in church while living an unchurched life outside of church? Where are you and what are you doing, even in pandemic times, for Christ? Time is very short, and the redeeming of his own is closer now than ever before. It's time, while you have time left, to make a choice and a stand. Next week, we will look at the next-to-last episode of this examination of Titus. Remember, this year we are doing a more in-depth Easter study to promote spiritual growth. Titus, we believe, gives us what is a good study for this purpose in this leading time to Easter. Play or download next week's episode, Titus, Summary of the Letter, from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. The Study Podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, U.S. time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.